Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Gosh, I'm so excited to record this podcast episode today as I'm recording this on Friday, May 20th. I'm feeling just extra lit up about life. I found a lot of clarity in myself and my work, and you know that I go through these quarterly identity crises crises, crises? I don't know what the plural is, but I always go through these just waves and phases of feeling really, really solid and secure in the work that I'm doing and then questioning everything that I'm doing. And I think to an extent that that's normal, my personal goal and what I've been working on in therapy and just on myself is to not have these waves be as dramatic and be, you know, as identity crisis for me, but rather like, oh, this is a part of myself that I'm working on and just treating it a little bit more casually. However, with all of this, I have also been thinking a lot about how I want to show up on social media. And I know you're probably so sick of hearing about my relationship with social media because it's just such a big part of my life and it bleeds in to so many other areas of my life, including how I feel about myself as much as I hate to admit it. And maybe you can't relate if it's not a big part of your life like it is for me. And I'm sorry if this is like I'm beating a dead horse here, but the way that I show up on social media, it's like what I do 24-7, you know? Think of it as like the way you show up at work if you have a job of some sort, right? And that and how you're treated there and how you feel about your work environment is really going to affect how you feel overall. So for me personally, I've realized, and I promise this relates to our podcast episode topic at hand, it's actually a lot more personal than it sounds by the title, but I've realized that I've been feeling a lot of fear around the idea of showing up consistently on social media as my authentic self because when I started Mary's Cup of Tea five years ago, I kind of blew up in the first, well, the first like year and a half was absolutely awful and I was still like working on healing my binge eating disorder and breakup and a lot of awful things that happened in my life. But then like the second year, very quickly, within like eight months, my social media just blew up. And the following years, I felt like I knew what I was doing. Now, because the landscape has changed so much and there are so many creators and Instagram is turning into TikTok and TikTok is this behemoth of a platform and everything just feels new and fresh, I won't lie, it has brought up these fears of like being forgotten and being irrelevant. And of course, it affects my financial situation because brands aren't hiring me as much. And it creates this like negative feedback loop where I just get discouraged and then I don't post and then I don't get work and then I get even more discouraged. So because of all of this, I've been thinking a lot about like, okay, if likes and comments and engagement didn't exist, if algorithms weren't a thing, if money wasn't a thing, like what would I want to talk about? How would I want to show up? And what is really representative of me 
in this time of my life that I'm in right now. Because five years ago, body image and ED recovery was a big part of my life. And that's what I shared. That's what felt authentic. And I've grown over the past five years. So I've been thinking a lot about like, what is it that I really do? What is it that I really talk about? Because I think self-love is just really vague. And I love that because there's many aspects of it that I can touch on. But at the core, at the foundation, what is that thing that I'm really, really interested and inspired by? And y'all, I think I fucking got it. (laughs) I think I just, I got a lot of clarity for myself and my brand. And I feel like this is really, really going to help you in the way that you think about self-love. So what do we talk about on this podcast? Yes, self-love, but what is beneath that? How do we get there? I always say that self-love is the vehicle, right? It's not a destination. It's not even a journey. It's the car that you're in. Is your car crusty, old, out of gas, dirty, whatever? Or is it a nice car that you take care of, that you keep clean, that is pleasant to drive, that has its oils changed. And I apologize for the car metaphor, but Stan is a huge car fanatic. So for whatever reason, the car metaphors have been have been in our lives. So self-love is like that vehicle. But what is that road? Because if you're driving on a bumpy ass road, that's not going to be pleasant, right? If the road isn't paved, if it's not scenic, if it's just ugly. (laughs) You're not going to enjoy that journey as much, no matter what vehicle you're driving. And that road, that foundation of self-love is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. I'm going to elaborate more on what that means, but on a personal note, that gave me a lot of clarity because There are so many things that go into emotional intelligence. It's a lot about communication and connection and how you process and deal with your feelings and emotions. And if you learn emotional intelligence and constantly practice it, then you're naturally, effortlessly, organically going to have love for yourself because emotional intelligence is a practice that is very deliberate, that has very specific tools and steps and ways to support yourself in. And I think that because of that amount of power that we have over our emotional intelligence and building it, because of that, it feels really empowering to know that I don't love myself because I suck. It's because I need to build the tools. And emotional intelligence is referred to by many different words. They're all a little bit different, but they all bleed into each other. You know, you can call it self-awareness, emotional awareness, emotional regulation, social awareness, relationship management. All of that is like part of it. The big umbrella is emotional intelligence. Sometimes it's referred to as EQ. So like instead of IQ, like intellectual quotient, it's an emotional quotient. And according to Google, 
actually, this is helpguide.org, but it was the first Google search result. The definition of emotional intelligence is the ability to understand, use, and manage your own emotions in positive ways to relieve stress, communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges, and diffuse conflict. I think that is that about sums it up. I think there's a lot more in there that we can include, and I'm going to talk about five signs of emotional intelligence as it relates to self-love here shortly. There is one definition that came up on Google that I totally did not vibe with, and it said, emotional intelligence is the ability to regulate your emotions and those of others. And I'm like, uh, no. (laughs) The only emotions you can regulate is your own, and if you're trying to regulate other people's emotions, then that's called codependency, and that is very toxic and a very slippery slope. That's not to say that you don't care about how other people feel, but you know that if you are to regulate your emotions and to learn communication skills, and if you're just a good person, then hopefully the people around you are going to be more or less happy, but it's not your job to manage their feelings or regulate their emotions. So if you see that definition come up anywhere, just just ignore it. That is not what emotional intelligence is about. Hey, self-lovers, I got a little too excited and recorded this whole episode and forgot to mention one very important thing, and that is that there will be another retreat in 2022. And depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this episode at the beginning of June 2022, when it first released, the next retreat will be announced in about a week. So as soon as I get home from Spain, from hosting the Spain self-love retreat, I'm going to get home and I'm going to announce the next retreat, the dates, the location, and open applications. So these retreats have been filling up really, really fast, like in less than a week. There's a lot of people who are interested, especially because I'm not doing as many retreats anymore. Because of that, I know that this next retreat is going to fill up really quickly, and I don't want anybody who really wants to go to miss out. So here's what I'm doing. If you're really interested in coming on this next retreat, then go to maryscupoftea.com slash retreats. And if you scroll down just a smidge, you'll see a pink box to put your name on the retreat priority list. And what this is going to do is just put your name and email into my list. And then I will know that you're interested in the next retreat. And you will be the first to get notified via email when I announce the next retreat and when I open up those applications. So go to maryscupoftea.com slash retreats, scroll down just a smidge, pink box, put your name and email in there, and I'll email you in about a week or so announcing the next 2022 self-love retreat. I'm so thrilled that we get to do this again, and I truly hope to see you there. So get your name on the list, and we'll be in touch. I also want to take this moment to acknowledge you. I know that if you are listening to this podcast, and if you're this deep into this particular episode, then by default, you are an emotionally intelligent person, at least way more so than the general public. How do I know that? Because emotionally intelligent people are interested in emotional intelligence. Funny side story for you, by the way, years ago, I was 
going through a really awful breakup with somebody who I'm not going to label them a narcissist, but after the fact, I figured out that they had a lot of narcissistic tendencies and there's a reason why I became so codependent on them. And I just this heartbreak, this breakup just completely wrecked me in a totally different way. And it's because of some of the emotional abuse that I went through. And as I was like dealing with this and processing it years later in therapy, I was already, you know, dating boyfriend, but I found myself like having these just little thoughts and weird attachments to my ex. And I realized it's because of these narcissistic tendencies that your brain is like literally rewired to crave them, which is so fucked up. And I I think I should bring on like a narcissist expert on the podcast one day because that might be really helpful for people who have family, friends, or exes, hopefully not your current relationship, who display narcissistic tendencies. So anyways, as I'm working on this years later in therapy, I was looking up all these signs of narcissists and I was starting to get really freaked out because the truth is that all of us have some degree of narcissism. It's a very human thing. We all have egos. We all need those to an extent. The problem becomes when you have so many narcissistic qualities that you don't care about how you're affecting the people around you and you're like deliberately hurting them. And there's different tiers to them, right? Like some narcissists are at a lower tier and they don't realize that they're hurting you. They really don't know. They're just, their brains are wired in such a way where they they just hurt people and they don't even want to or know. And it's not until after the fact that they have to confront that. And then there's like very high degree level of narcissism where they know they're hurting somebody and they like it. And I think that goes more into like psychopaths, sociopaths. I'm no expert on that. Don't quote me. But anyways, as I'm like researching this, there's like narcissist quizzes online where you can, I mean, again, this is probably not psychologically accurate or medically accurate, but I got a little obsessed with taking these quizzes and like making sure I'm not a narcissist. And every time I scored, I was in the not a narcissist bracket and it would always offer some relief to me. And I told my therapist about this and she goes, Mary, you are not a narcissist. And I'm like, well, how do you know? Because there's this sign and that sign. And I read that if you do XYZ, then you might be a narcissist. And I sometimes do XYZ. And she goes, Mary, narcissists don't obsess about whether or not they're narcissists. (laughs) And that calmed me down so much. You have no idea because it's true. A lot of these things that we care so much about further prove that we're doing okay. Like, my best friend, she's a mom right now, and she's always just so worried about being a bad mom. And I'm like, well, bad moms don't worry about whether or not they're bad moms. They're just bad moms. So the fact that you care already shows. Anyways, I don't know why I thought of that. Oh yeah, because I was telling you that I know you're emotionally intelligent because you're interested in emotional intelligence. It's one of those things that is strongly correlated. So I'm very confident in that. Anywho, let's move into five signs of emotional intelligence, particularly as it relates to self-love. From my experience, the talk of emotional intelligence is generally based on like, work harder and leadership skills and be good at your job and here's how to do it. So it's very like, I don't know, corporate male-dominated industries. From my experience, that's 
obviously not what emotional intelligence is about, but the context that I've seen it personally presented in is, you know, very patriarchal. But these are some of the signs that I've thought of and did some research on where I feel like emotional intelligence really, really relates to self-love. So number one, you are able to be real with how you feel because you know that's the only way you can heal. So there's this level of honesty with yourself. There's this level of embracing your feelings and emotions and validating them and working actively to name them and to not push them away. The reason why that's a sign of emotional intelligence is because that's the emotional part. (laughs) You have to be aware of the emotions that you're feeling in order to approach them with intelligence, hence emotional intelligence. Very simple, I know, but be real with how you feel because that's how we heal. And number two, this relates to number one, emotionally intelligent people allow themselves to process their feelings, but they don't let them control their actions. So there's this balance between here's how I'm feeling, it's perfectly okay that I'm feeling this way, and what I'm feeling isn't necessarily what the reality is, and I don't always need to put a lot of weight into that. So for example, if you wake up and you're feeling grumpy, you can say, I'm feeling a bit grumpy right now, (laughs) but you're not going to go on and be a dick to everyone around you because you're grumpy. You know what I mean? So there's this, again, there's this like balance and separation and discernment and you're able to like look inward, but not always throw that up onto the people around you or the actions that you take. This is where I feel a little conflicted between stoicism. In case you don't know what stoicism is, it's the philosophy of not having any emotions and you basically train yourself to like never be influenced by your emotions. And then the other side of that spectrum is like people who are incredibly emotionally driven and they're always blaming things on how they feel and they can't follow through on plans ever because they're always feeling some type of way and the world just revolves around how they feel. I think there's unhealthy expressions of both sides. So I like to be somewhere in the middle. I like to be both, right? My answer is always both and. It's never either or. And emotionally intelligent people know that there's a time and a place where you can feel your emotions, where you can feel sorry for yourself, where you got to cry in the bathtub and maybe drink a glass of wine, or maybe that's just me. But then the next day, maybe you wake up and you know that there are certain actions that you can take to support your mental health. Very little things like making your bed, drinking some water, journaling, right? That's a sign of emotional intelligence is that you feel what you're feeling, but you're also able to like pull yourself out of it a little bit. Disclaimer here, I'm not talking about like clinical depression or diagnosed anxiety or, you know, being hijacked by chemical imbalances in your brain. That's very, very different. I'm talking to people who may have depression or anxiety, but it's more or less managed by medication or therapy or whatever else supports you. And this is just an ongoing practice. Nobody has it perfectly. You know, we all have emotional outbursts sometimes and we all numb out our feelings sometimes too, right? The goal is to 
do it less and employ a little bit more emotional intelligence when we have the mental strength to do so. So emotional intelligence is all about recognizing and deciding for yourself what is healthy for you. And of course, that is also self-love. The third sign of emotional intelligence as it relates to self-love is that you know that self-love does not exist in a vacuum. So you consciously work on your relationships. It's not just you with you. It's also you and the people around you. And I think I have many episodes on relationships and communication and boundaries. All of that goes into relationship management and approaching your relationships with a level of care and conscientiousness and dedication too, right? A lot of relationships, they take work. Not everything is always a walk in the park. And again, it's about deciding for yourself, like what level of work is worth it for a certain person? Or is it too much? Are you working on a relationship at the expense of yourself, constantly sacrificing your own needs for the sake of preserving a relationship. There's also an unhealthy expression to that. So you know that self-love does not exist in a vacuum. You consciously work on your relationships, and that includes boundaries and knowing when it's time to let a relationship go. Number four, this is a really simple one I've been thinking a lot about lately, but it's that you're not afraid to slow down. When you're constantly working, hustling, doing things, checking things off, and running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to be quote-unquote productive, that sometimes, at least for me, has been a sign of low self-worth. When you slow down, there's this level of groundedness. There's this peace and calm and reassurance that I have time and my mental health is important, so I'm going to take my time with it. And there is no work that is worth burnout. And there's nothing that I could do right now that is going to make me any more worthy as a person. Everything that I'm doing, that I'm achieving, accomplishing, is just a bonus. It is just a bonus to the wonderful, whole, worthy person that I am at the core. So the ability to slow down. People that are constantly in a rush who don't have time to sit and think about, am I aligned with what I'm doing? Do I want to be doing this? Am I spending quality time with the people that I love? Am I taking time with myself? There's this level of like people who are always in a rush to me, and at least the way I've been, there's this level of like avoiding something, right? Like within yourself, like you're running so fast, a million miles an hour, because there's something that you don't want to face, you don't want to confront, you don't want to slow down enough to feel. So emotionally intelligent people take their time with things. I don't mean all things, and this goes into my point number five. There's also this level of harmony with yourself and the world around you. So you know that there's going to be seasons of your life that you're working harder than others. For example, right now, 
I'm doing a lot. I'm recording so many podcast episodes that I'm going to be hosting a retreat. I'm going to be spending three weeks in Spain. I'm creating a lot of content. It's the end of spring slash beginning of summer for me. So, you know, I'm feeling that energy and I am busy. Like, I'm busy and I can say that I'm being productive, but I know that it's seasonal and I know when to stop and I have boundaries to turn my phone off at 6 p.m. and not sleep with it right on my bedside. And I know when to say no to certain things to support this active season of my life. So I think that all four and five kind of bleed into each other where you're not afraid to slow down. And number five is that you are in harmony with yourself and the world around you. And if you listen to my episode on harmony, the episode title is called An Intuitive Eating Hack. The word harmony is actually really great for intuitive eating because harmony is all about realizing that life is seasonal, that it's not about having everything like perfectly figured out, perfectly balanced, perfectly just in control. It's more about surrendering to this beautiful harmony, knowing that there's going to be more or less of some things than others. Some areas of your life are going to require a little bit more time and energy and attention, and then other things get put on the back burner, and then vice versa. Like Life is just this flow. And when we can surrender to that flow, to that harmony, we become a little bit more at peace because we're not constantly feeling like we're trying to balance and perfectly spin all these plates at the same time. There's a level of harmony. So remember that word, harmony. I personally like to use it more than balance. And again, that's to describe anything, how you eat, how much exercise you do, how you work, what your life looks like. Think about creating harmony instead of finding balance. It just, it feels a little bit more loosey-goosey and peaceful. Okay, I feel like I've talked enough for today. I've touched on so many different topics in one short episode, but I hope this has served you. I hope that you see how emotional intelligence is the foundation, that road that we're driving to when we're in the vehicle of self-love. And I hope you find ways to employ emotional intelligence in your life with these five tips. Remember, you're able to be real with how you feel so that you can heal. Number two, you process your feelings, but you don't let them control you all the time. And number three, you know that self-love does not exist in a vacuum and you're always working on your relationships. Number four, slow the fuck down. You have time. And number five, emotionally intelligent people are in harmony with themselves and the world around them. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please screenshot it, share it with a friend, or put it on your Instagram stories. I love knowing that you're listening. It just makes my day when you tag Mary's podcast and Mary's cup of tea. And I feel like I'm not talking into the abyss. So I would greatly appreciate that. And above all, I love you and I hope you love yourself too. Hey, self-lovers, one last little thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a, re leave a review. <laughs> I was going to cut that out, but we'll just keep it in there. If you could leave a review 
on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Just search the show on Apple, scroll all the way down where you'll see a place to leave a review. (laughs) And if you're listening on Spotify, on the show's homepage, you'll see a little star. And if you click on that, there'll be a pop-up box where you can send in your rating. Thank you so much for helping me spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, that is the title of my book. You can pick it up at any bookstore, including Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, small indie bookstores. All those links can be found at maryscupoftea.com slash book. Thank you all so much for learning and growing and continuing to be on this self-love journey. It's truly an honor to be here with you. I love you and I will talk to you next time. And please, please don't forget to leave a review. (laughs) Bye.